Let's take our Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12, and we're just we're going to jump in with it this morning. We'll at least get to one point, okay? This is the benefit of preaching the way uh, that I preach. Uh, we'll, we'll cut it off at the appropriate opportunity, all right? And some of you are worried because you're thinking his definition of appropriate opportunity might not be the same as mine. And undoubtedly that's true. But we will uh, recognize uh, the time and uh, be mindful uh, of all that has happened here today. But it just, just to set the stage for us, for the last several weeks we have been in Romans 12, in particular verses 14 through 21, looking at the next set of instructions that Paul had given us about the way the gospel informs our lives. What does it mean to be fully devoted to Christ? And then more specifically, what does it mean for the gospel to inform the way we relate to each other? If the gospel is to dominate everything about my life, if everything about me is to come under the truth of Christ crucified and resurrected, under his lordship, if I am to give my life over as a living sacrifice, what, what does this look like? When it comes to relationships, and when it comes to relationships with people not only that I like and people who may like me, what about that other crowd? The people that don't like you, or the people that you don't like. I mean, obviously, if they don't like you, it's all their fault. I understand, all right? But nonetheless, there is that group of people out there, you're all angels. I can't understand why, but there may be some folks that you just don't have the best relationship with. So how does the gospel inform the way we relate to these folks? We've been looking at several ideas, in particular verses 17 to the end. Paul seems to really zero in on this particular group. What do we do when we are at odds with someone else? Whether that is a believer or not, what do we do? in these relationships. And what do we do then if that individual is hostile toward us, if that individual has wronged us? Now, we've looked at several of these ideas already. They're in your bulletin, and uh, we're going to fill in at least one more blank here uh, this morning. But just, just to notice specifically over the last few weeks, beginning with Paul's words in verse 17, where he says, "...repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men, if it is possible..." As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And so we looked at three principles related to these. I will reject the desire for revenge. If if somebody commits an evil, I'm not going to reciprocate. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to give evil back. If somebody hurts me, I'm not going in an attempt to get even to try and hurt them as well. I will display an honorable testimony. So, not only do I not repay evil for evil, I also want people to see I've got high regard for that which is good and reputable. I I want to demonstrate a life of integrity. I want to demonstrate righteousness. I want to have a good witness. I want to have a good testimony. I want people to see that the way I relate to others is not like the evil that was done to me. It's not just that I am going to not seek revenge. That's more of a passive idea. Now he makes it more positive. I'm also going to display something far more profound. I'm going to display goodness 
righteousness, faithfulness, whatever is good in the sight of all men. That's what I'm going to show. Then he adds another one to it, and this is the one we looked at last week. He says, if it is possible, as much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Boy, that one, mm, that one sticks a little bit. Because here what what Paul is saying, what we fleshed out last week, to, to the utmost of your ability, using all of your power, you should try and be at peace with others. Even if they are not giving one inch to you, even if they are not in, engaged in even one ounce of trying to be at peace with you. That verse would be way better if Paul said, as much as they are willing to be at peace with you, you be at peace with them. Now that's a verse I can get behind, right? That's a verse we can do. All right, that's right. It's a 50-50 deal, right? Paul didn't put any percentage. He, didn't, he does give us a little wiggle room, but not really like you think, right? The only thing he kind of leaves out there, it may be possible for you to do everything you can, and somebody else may still not like you. Whether that is you know, individual relationships with others, or larger cultures, hostility toward Christianity, whatever that may be, Paul's saying, as far as you're concerned, don't let the problem be with you. Give every effort. I told you, that verse right there, what was that, verse 18? You, you, do you want congregational-wide marriage and family counseling? There. That's it. All right, there you go. Do that. Do verse 18. That's it. As much as possible. Live at peace. Even with those in your own home, right? Even with those in your own church, your own neighborhood, your own community. But now we're going to add another one. So if you want to fill in a blank, this will be another blank that we'll be able to fill in. That is, I will trust God to be just. I will trust God to be just. So here's what happens, I think. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not for everybody. This is certainly what's happening as I'm reading this, as I'm arguing with Paul about why these can't mean what I think they mean, right? I'm trying to find some kind of way out, and as I'm doing it, I'm thinking, well, surely, though, surely there's some recourse. I mean, people can be really ugly. We just let them get away with it? I'm not talking about the times where maybe we both do something wrong and we know we've contributed to the problem. I mean, what do we do when this is legit? When someone really has taken the upper hand, right? They've gone the extra mile to hurt us. What, what, what if? And it, and it could even involve, you know, something criminal. I mean, at that point, what? So, pastor, what do we do? Does that, does that mean somebody commits a crime against us? Do we just let it go? Well, let's go ahead and address that, right? What's the answer to that? Well, no. I mean, if somebody commits a crime, that there is a group entrusted, I believe biblically so, by the way, to help meet out the standards of justice. I don't know that we always do that very well, but nonetheless, it is the government's right, and we'll get to that, by the way, in the next chapter, all right? Romans 13 is coming. So yes, if there's criminal behavior, 
What we don't do, though, is somebody breaks into your house and steals your TV, you don't then go break into their house and steal their computer, all right? In other words, that's so that we don't do that. But call the police, all right? In other words, yes, yes, take advantage of whatever those sources of justice may be. All right, okay, Pastor, but what if somebody really just hurts me? It's not, it's not illegal, but it's really <laughs> ugly. What do I do? And notice what Paul says in verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So again, notice that first part, beloved, do not avenge yourselves. That is really the same basic principle as verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. So, vengeance does not belong to you. You do not have a right to engage in it, to to exact vengeance, to seek revenge, to come back at somebody who has come at you. So, 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 That's the first part of that. Do not avenge yourselves. But then you hear this and you think, well, pastor, what does that mean? Give place to wrath. Don't read into that some 21st century psychobabble stuff about, well, you need to just express your anger, all right? It's It's not what it means. It's not what it means at all. You do know the Bible says, be slow to speak, slow to become angry, and quick to listen. In other words, the exact opposite of what everybody else does in our culture, right? No, I'm not going to do that because you need to hear me. I have a right to speak my mind. I should get this off my chest. That's what you're told to do. It's not what this verse means. When he says, give place to wrath, clearly by the next verse where he quotes from the Old Testament, clearly what he means is give place to the wrath of God. In fact, some translations even have that phrase. Give place to God's wrath. Do not avenge yourself, but instead give place to God's wrath. And then he goes on to say, vengeance is mine, I will repay. What is Paul doing here? He's saying, look, just because somebody hurts you and the Bible says don't go after them, that doesn't mean there's not justice. It just means justice is not in your hands. He is very clearly saying, trust God to be just. There's good reason for this, by the way. You and I are pretty terrible at being just. Parents, just ask your children. I know you think you've tried to be fair to all of them. You haven't been. All right, I'll just tell you now. By the way, there's no biblical requirement for that, so freedom, right? All right, you don't have to do it that way. Okay, good news. There you go. Sorry, kids. You're the parent, okay? There's no biblical requirement that if one gets a popsicle, they all get a popsicle. Now, I'm not saying that won't cause problems in your home. It very well may. I'm just saying that there's no biblical expectation. That's not justice, all right, that all three of them get popsicles, okay? That is not justice. So, you understand, we're we're not good at being fair and just because we're going to have selfish motives. I think I mentioned this last week. One of the reasons why revenge is such a problem, 
Because if, if you decide to reciprocate, your reciprocation is always far worse than the first offense. That's what we do, right? In fact, think about it in something small and silly. What do you do if somebody pranks you? You prank them back. Way worse than they did to you the first time, right? In other words, if somebody tries to pull something on you, you go way over the top and do it worse. So that, that, that's how we do justice, which isn't well. Even socially, by the way, even in our society, I mean, we're, you know, we're not, we are not good at this, but I, let me say this. God does grant societies the right to engage in justice. But guess who doesn't have the right? Me as an individual. It's not my responsibility. It is not in my hands. It's not that I don't want to champion, you know, righteousness and justice in a country. I just mean it is not in my hands to create this. And in particular, in our relationships one-on-one with each other, what should be the manner in which I relate? If somebody hurts me, I don't want to repay hurt with hurt. If somebody's hostile, I'm not going to repay hostility with hostility. I'm going to have a good and honorable testimony in front of all. I'm going to do all that I can to be at peace with you, and I'm going to trust you into the mighty hands of God. Now, don't misunderstand this. This is, this is not like a, a backdoor way of getting vengeance, all right? It's not... It's not like a way of saying, oh, okay, you do this, I'll put you in God's hands. He will squash you like a spider, all right? In other words, that should not be our heart. Our heart should not be, yeah, that's right. Oh, man, I hope God gives it to him big time. Thank you, pastor, for what you've let me feed in my own soul. See, this is where the whole text comes into play. Because what is it that Paul said in verse 14? Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. In other words, what should be your prayer for all people? That they would come under conviction of their sin? That they would know the good grace of God? That they would know God's blessing? Rather than praying a curse down upon them? However, that can be balanced though with this idea. If somebody has hurt me, justice does not belong to me. I trust God to be just. Because only God is perfectly good, Perfectly right, perfectly just, and perfectly merciful, and perfectly full of grace. I trust God to do these things. I leave salvation in God's hands. I leave judgment in God's hands. These are not my possessions. I, I think it is a critical principle, especially in today's world, where our view of things can be so different. Because I I know what we want. We want to see justice, right? There's a a moment happening right now. It's amazing. When you preach like this, how often God just drops illustrations into your lap. All right? How, How things... Conflu, all right? There is a confluence of events that, that, I mean, hand delivers to me an illustration of what I'm talking about. It is a somewhat extreme one, but it is nonetheless an illustration 
of why it is so important to have this kind of worldview, to in essence say, okay, I trust God to be just, whether it's in my interpersonal relationships with others, or even in regard to the big things, big hurts, even criminal activity, I ultimately trust God to be just, far more than I may trust the courts to be just. So, many of you are probably aware of what may, the, may be the breaking story over the weekend, the, the, the much-publicized uh, fall of the, the wealthy Jeremy Epstein. You all recognize the name when I say it. Many of you will, right? A monster of a man, no doubt. A monster of a man who has been responsible for years and years of committing unspeakable acts. Rightfully arrested, rightfully denied bail, would have rightfully been placed in prison for the rest of his life for all that he had done. And you, you may then be aware that yesterday he took his own life. Now, I, I recognize there's all kinds of drama surrounding that, right? I mean, with his death, may, may now go into silence, who knows, how many other names, okay? So I understand why this is a big deal. But I think there's a much bigger issue going on because now what has happened? Now you hear outrage, and I understand it, by the way. You hear outrage from those who had been abused. Pure anger that now they won't have their day in court. The accusers won't have their day in court. By the way, I'm not making fun of that or light of that. I I, I cannot imagine what they had gone through, and I understand what they want, and you've probably been in this place too, what they want, they want to look in the eye of the monster, and they want to see pain. Right? That's how we think about things, right? We want to see it. We want to see them hurt. We want to see them grieve. We want to see them get what they deserve. And I just found it really telling. I heard this this morning. I found it really telling. Here was the statement made from one of the abusers, one of those who was abused. I am angry Jeffrey Epstein, or is it Jeremy? Did I misstate that? Won't have to face his survivors of his abuse in court. We have to live with the scars of his actions for the rest of our lives while he will never face the consequences of the crimes he committed. Now, you see, I understand. See, now now in this setting, given what we just read, we hear these words and we think, oh, right, how misguided. But how many of us had a first gut reaction to say, that was cowardly, now he's gotten away with everything? How many of us, our first thought was, well, the fact they let him commit suicide. I mean, that's the argument, right? The fact they let him do that, now he's just going to get away. He's not not going to pay for any of his crimes. It's a perfect illustration of why it is so important that the Word informs the way we understand these things. Listen to me, church. I am not making a judgment call on the condition of somebody's soul. I do not know what happened 24 hours ago, but I can tell you 
when he breathed his last and stepped out of time and into eternity, he fell into the hands of a just God. And if he entered eternity without Christ, the justice he will face is unlike anything a human court could ever bring to bear on somebody's life. Make no mistake about it. Justice was served. No one gets out of it. This is why we trust God to do it. We trust God to be just. Vengeance belongs to Him, not to me. Now, I understand this is a wrestling act, is it not? Because, again, we, we want to hear them confess. We, we want to see guilt. We want to see shame. And I, listen, I wouldn't hold it against anybody for wanting that. I just think this could be such a relief. What a burden. What a burden it would be to have to carry around with me the idea that now this individual has gotten away with something. He's not gotten away with anything. Oh, but we're not going to leave there, right? Because now, because, and I figure, all right, based on the response, we're all like, yeah, amen, that's right. We know, we know what happens. But what if it had been a different outcome? What if instead it is some monster of a man who's done unspeakable acts who prior to execution falls on his knees in repentance over his sin and trusts Christ crucified, resurrected, calls on the blood of Christ to cover his sin, calls on Christ and his atonement to pay the price for the sins he committed? What if that man, prior to exiting this life and the next, places all of his faith in Christ Jesus? Are you just as excited he'll be staying next door to you in glory? Are you just Are you just as grateful for how God decides to pour out grace as he would to pour out vengeance? Am I okay with both of those? Because God is sovereign over both. Salvation and judgment. These are the works of God. And, and, and we've already looked, we spent a lot of time in Romans 9. Do you remember that, right? Some of you blocked it out of your memory. I understand, all right? But we were in Romans 9 for a long time. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whoever I'll have compassion. And I will be just to whoever I want to be just to. See, we've got to be cautious here, right? We've got to be cautious crying out for justice. We've got to be cautious crying out for fairness. Because God has not been fair to anyone in this room. So what? If God has saved you, He has not been fair to you. 
if God has saved me, that is not that is not justice. You know what that is? If God has saved me, if God has saved you, then what has He done? God has poured out His vengeance and His wrath and His judgment on Christ for you. Somebody else bore in their body the punishment that your sin and my sin deserved. Are we okay with all this? Are we okay with understanding the depths of my depravity are no less than Jeremy Epstein's? Do you believe that? I bet you don't. I bet you're arguing with me in your head right now. I bet over lunch there's going to be all kinds of arguing. No, 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 pastor. You, you don't deserve salvation any more than he does. What? See, dead in trespasses and sin is dead in trespasses and sin. Somebody's been dead for 2,000 years and somebody else has been dead for 10, is the other person deader than the other one? No. It's a pretty definite condition. No offense to Princess Bride fans, all right? I mean, it is a pretty definite, some of you got it, good, all right. It is a definite condition we find ourselves in. So God's, God's grace, God's justice, are we okay with it? How do we manage these relationships? All these principles and yet adding this one. I, I'll trust God to be just. And that includes whether He shows grace or judgment. I trust His sovereignty. I trust Him to do this right and according to His goodness. As we have a time where we'll respond in singing We'll think then about our own relationships with others. I, I would encourage anybody here who does not know Christ, this, this is where it will begin. You will be handed over to the hands of God. You will step out of this life and into His presence. But it is what you do with Christ in this life that will determine where you spend that next one. If you have never trusted in Christ as Savior, if you've never confessed that you are a sinner, if you have not confessed that Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, if you have not asked God to forgive you based on what Christ has done. I implore you to do that. If you'd like to know more about that, I'll be down front. would love a chance to share with you more about what it means to trust Christ. For those who'd say, yes, I am a believer, let me ask you, are you okay with God's justice? Are you good with trusting these, whoever they may be, from the worst to the least, whatever it may be, are you okay trusting them to a just God? Let's stand together and I'll pray. After I pray, then we will sing together. Father God, we do thank you for the gathering of your people. We thank you for your word. We do thank you for your justice. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you that you can be trusted to properly express both as you see fit and that you are ultimately good in all of your ways, that you are gloriously righteous in all of your ways. So Father, may we rest in that. Rest in knowing that you are a God who saves. You are a God who forgives. And yet you are a God who will judge. And so, Father, may we just trust you then with what is your holy and sovereign work. And may we then live in faith and confidence in these days. That's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.